Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. I was 16 when I first experienced existential angst, realized that life was effing absurd. I had read Albert Camus' The Stranger. It was nothing less than a life-defining moment for me when Merceau, the protagonist, shoots somebody because the sun was bothering him. The protagonist is unaffected by his actions, and that moment highlighted the absurdity of life for me. The Buddha, too, came face to face with the absurdity of life when he saw an ailing man outside the glory and comfort of his palace and shielded life. He realized that humans are born and humans die. It was the start of a journey for him to find answers that the physical world was unable to offer. My guest today, Alex Street, who is a life coach, speaker, and Gen Z specialist, had a similar rude awakening when his mom got stomach cancer. In today's episode, Alex and I are gonna chat about one of my favorite topics, faith. What is faith in a world that will potentially always be in turmoil? And what is faith when most people are turning away from institutionalized religion? Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. This is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So I guess I wanna start by asking about the period when your mom was experiencing stomach cancer. And I believe at the time you were a youth pastor. Um, and I suppose you thought your entire life would be um, associated with it. But I think it was that time when you turned away from the church because it wasn't able to provide answers that you were looking for. Well, yeah, let's just get right into it. Hey, let's, let's uh... go right in. <laughs> Time is a I I love it. Uh, it's it's getting right into the good stuff, and and this is the reality of life, right? Is that I mean, we can we can talk about this in a general way, but I think this is where it matters most is when, um, I mean, you really the rubber hits the road when you're you you face an experience like this, as as you said, you know, you face something and you're struck with this. Now, what does this faith mean to me. And, um, and I would say that, 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 I mean, that happened almost eight years ago now that my mom passed away. Um, it was fairly suddenly, uh, she got sick, uh, in February, right around Valentine's day. Actually, I remember that well, and, um, kind of went to the ER and then within a couple of days we found out what it was. And, uh, it was my first experience with that. Um, I was very close to my mom. She lived around the corner from us, uh, you know, took our kids, um, as they were growing up very young and, um, the very strong relationship there. And then all of a sudden we were faced with death, with cancer, um, all these things that I hadn't seen before faced and, um, and up until that point, I mean, so that would make me 28 then I guess. And, uh, I had been a youth pastor then for right around six years, I guess. And like after intern and went to Bible college and kind of was a volunteer youth leader at a, it was a Baptist church. Um, and so I'd been in that role for a long time and it helped people through those experiences. Essentially, you know, I'd sit with teenagers as their parents were getting diagnosed or their grandma was sick or, or, you know, occasionally, you know, they were facing something themselves and they'd have to go through it. And I'd sit there and I'd listen to them and I'd coach them and I'd pray with them and, and we'd hope and we'd we'd look for something, right? Some hope, some peace in those moments. And I guess when it came down to it, when I was faced, you know, to sit there next to my mom and I had to figure out, you know, what do I say in this moment when when she didn't proclaim 
you know, a, a personal faith experience of her own. And here I was as this professional Christian, as it were. Uh, it, what do I do? What do I do with my family? You know, how do I how do I carry a family through this moment when I'm experiencing this? And so uh, all that to say, that was really the first time that I was struck with this um, this really strong in your face reality of what do you do when everything sort of seems to come crashing down and all the the platitudes uh the things that you would say in the past just didn't seem to work anymore uh and so what do you do and that's really what i was faced with right right we're talking eight years ago now is the first time i would say that i was really uh, handed that and and had to figure out what to do and why didn't they work? Because one would imagine that faith, the word faith is so <clears throat> closely linked to religion. And mm-hmm. um, when when you Google, when I was working on this episode, I Googled faith, you know, yeah. and I was actually, um, you know, before we started recording, I was telling my friend Erica, who's also here, um, that I'm actually so nervous about doing this episode because because just talking about faith, it's such an intangible qualitative little mm-hmm. thing you know so i was like let me google what faith even means mm-hmm. and the definition was confidence or trust in something or someone particularly religion yeah. and here you were you know a youth pastor as you said a professional christian so, <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i love how you said that so what was it that didn't work for you because one would assume that you would be able to derive all your hope and answers from from your from the religion that you were practicing. Yeah, it's a great question. And 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 this is it's it's always interesting for me because I, I came into it, you know, as a teenager. Like I didn't grow up in the church or anything like that. I, I came into it um as a teenager because I was curious. Honestly, I was I, I was chasing a girl and um I <laughs> <laughs> she I All she wanted me to that's <laughs> one thing. <laughs> that's right. So um I mean I love our story because it it is what it is and and it's actually the girl that I'm now married to and I've been married to for 14 years and and um, there was there was it was a bumpy road and it was all kinds of stuff. But ultimately, I I came to uh, to this faith because I think I'm I'm a wildly curious and creative person as it is, and and I just want to know and explore and see what's out there, and and that led me to um, this experience in this church and and to put my trust and faith in um, in that. God in that that version of God that there's a God that has created everything and taking care of everything and is is wholly um, a part of your life and what you're doing and and ultimately that that God showed up in the person of Jesus to to walk this earth and show us what being human actually looks like and I was drawn to that and I think that that was again I can say that now far more confidently than I could say that before. Um, when I was first getting into it, but but I can see that that's what fascinated me about it then, mm-hmm. and still does. Uh, truly, I would still say I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. I try to walk in the way of Jesus as it is. Um, but but as it, when I was faced with this experience, then the the things that that weren't working for me, I guess, um, to kind of to really you know land on your question, um, were the ideas like uh, you know sh- it's okay because she'll be in a better place or um, or this idea of, you know, it's either heaven or hell after she's gone. Um, what does that look like? And the idea that anybody would be okay with not heaven. 
as as an eternal destination. Anybody would be okay because that's the way that God is going to look at that, um, or that's what God planned. And and who are we to question God? The fact that anybody would be okay with that, and he, and even bring that up in conversation with me was really. I, like I wasn't angry about it. I was just fascinated that that this is the position that we're in now, and I have to I have to reconcile this. And and for me, the only way that I could I really could reconcile it was not to land on those things like, well, let's just pray for healing. I couldn't pray for healing because I knew the reality of cancer. I knew what what most often happens is that this is this is the end, and I need to start saying goodbye. And um, and instead of praying for healing, I was asking people, I was asking for, for prayers, no doubt. And I was reaching out to my community. I was, I, I chose to ask for prayers for peace. Mm. And this is what was interesting to me through that was that this whole faith that had become so complicated and tied up in theological differences and nuance all became so very simple to me at this time. And it all came down to love and peace and how do we experience these things through the ups and downs of our life and ultimately that is the greatest test of trust for me and what i experienced in that time in my own story does that help kind of clarify what didn't work and then what did work of course i love i love what you said there and two things that i'm gonna go off of is um you know i've been closely following the journey of uh English comedian Russell Brand, and over the years he's become, you know, yeah. he's gone from this wild, wild little thing to someone who wants to spread a lot of love through yeah. spirituality. And you know, one of the things he says, and what you kind of reminded me of, is, you know, at some point we realize that we're all one consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like there are no scientific, like physical things to allude to this but at some point we realize that we're all one consciousness and then when you realize that you just want to act from love and you just want people to be at love be peaceful be content so that was one of the things that reminded me but what i do want to ask you, you brought up the word trust there yeah. you know and i think trust and the word trust and faith kind of go hand in hand because trust can only be built when something is broken and you resurrect it and then there comes mm. trust. And I think similarly, you can only have, you can only feel faith when you have experienced heart hardness or you've experienced a struggle or a challenge that you've overcome. And knowing that you have overcome it and you are all right, I think that's the road into faith. Um, yeah. So yeah I read, good. I listened to your to your to one of your episodes so i, I do know mm-hmm. a little bit about about your life <laughs> <laughs> so please correct me whenever you know i'm i'm wrong about your biography yeah it's great <laughs> but i think what i want to ask you now is and i think that will be key to your journey in faith i think is when you decided to leave the church i mean leave the the city you were in that meant leaving where you were a youth pastor to study theology um I'm sure you were scared and I'm sure you were fearful of what this life that you had thought would be it was now no longer it. So yeah. how did you approach like moving away, doing this whole studying theology and just like taking it, taking life as it comes without fear? 
How did you manage to do that with courage? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm not, it, it's this whole relationship between faith and fear and courage. Um, it's, it's, this is the daily adventure for me <laughs> and, and really trying to figure out where those things live together. Um, you know, it's, it's like, they're all in the car with me and we're, we're just driving on this journey together. And it just mm -hmm. depends, you know, it's Liz Gilbert who says fear stays in the car, but he sits in the back seat and, and doesn't touch the, the music and doesn't definitely doesn't get to drive. And so I think that's, that's kind of um, what I live with is this idea that fear is always there. It's always present. It's always kind of questioning what I'm doing, but it, it, I, I try to never let it drive. And I think that that's, where then you might look at my life and a lot of people look at our journey and um and will say wow what, what courage that takes and what faith that takes in in god's plan for your life and and as my wife and i have really dug into this and and looked at you know even going back to we were a youth pastor i was a youth pastor for you know 11 years we that was the church that we were at was my wife's church since she was in grade two um that was our family that's our community and uh, and we knew confidently that it was time to leave there. And it wasn't any one thing, any one difference. It was a lot of things added up to this is the time to leave. And and for us, it was more of a I love the story of Moses and the burning bush mm. in uh, in it's in Exodus chapter three in the Bible. And it's this phenomenal story of this guy who's a, right. He's a shepherd and he's out in the wilderness. He's taking care of his sheep. And this is his comfortable life. Like he's been running all his life from his past mistakes and trying to figure out who he is. And then finally he settles down and he knows who's he, who he is. He's taking, he's in like the family business as a shepherd. And he's really just having this relaxing day out in the wilderness doing his job. And he sees this bush that's burning up. It's on fire and it won't, it, it's like things spontaneously combust in the desert all the time. But this one is on fire and it doesn't burn up and it catches his attention. And there's this moment and it's, it's so subtle in the writing that um, he gets up and he walks over. And when he walks over, this voice speaks to him. And for me, there was something in there for that was relatable to our story that, again, looks like courage. Um, and yet there's also this like stirring of fear that was inside of us of like, what is next? Mm. We don't have another option. There's not another church calling us. There's not another opportunity. We just know that it's time to leave here. And I see our journey in that as very much like, like what Moses faced is that if you want to get up and see that thing, you, there's something fascinating you out there. And if you want to get up and go and see that and truly explore that, then you have to leave your flock. You have to leave where you are now. Mm. And that thing isn't gonna speak to you. You're not gonna know what that is until you leave where you are. And that's the scariest part for so many people. People that I coach now, people that I worked through, worked with then, this is the scariest part, is leaving where you are now, even though you know that there is something over there fascinating you, calling out to you, but it won't give you any more details until you get up and move. And so that was the journey for us was this, I have to go. We we have to. Like, if I don't, that would be, I could stay here and it would be comfortable. It would be safe. It would be amazing. I love these people. I love what I do. I'm, I'm willing to explore and dive deeper with all of this here. But 
there's something out there and we got to we got to step and see what that is. And so that's that's really what that journey was like to us. And so to your question about courage and fear and and where that all fits in, it, it kind of all exists together. Yeah, I love that. And I guess like in your case, you know, there were decisions that you and choices that you wanted to make and change. But I suppose at any given point in life, like we are always presented with the option of improving our potential, whether that's like changing your patterns of thinking, eating habits, like everything requires courage and, you know, and exploring the unknown. And only if you go there and challenge yourself and like step out of your comfort zone, will you really know what the, the possibility of what may exist? Exactly. And, and what I'm learning now, and this is where I think really, this is where faith is becoming real, even more real for me now is that the, the real courage is to look inside mm. um, instead of looking out oh, there for something out for there sure. that's going to save you. It's uh, that, that, that's where the real, the and real discovery is happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is what I do as a, as a life coach now, right. Is help people look deeper inside themselves to find the thing that they've been looking for, for 25, 45 years out there. What out there is going to save me? What out there is going to help me? What out there is going to give me clarity? And and um, for what I'm finding is that it's it, true clarity is found as as we look deeper inside your own story and and who you're made to be from the start. But it take that takes courage yeah, because who and- knows what's in there? <laughs> you don't want to face your own thoughts. You don't want to face your own story your own Um, it's definitely the hardest part and i do say you know it is what your the darkness you see in you exists outside and you know once you start to mend that then you're essentially mending the world and i mean this is like Mm -hmm. the biggest critique also of the spiritual world that in doing so um in in looking inward you can be so self-involved that you forget about what needs to be done in the physical world but it's it's a very fine line I think, because, I mean, if you don't fix yourself, you don't fix the world. Um, But at the same time, you do need to. And, you know, a lot of the problems that we face are um, of the ego and, and, you know, our issue and our emotions. And what What I do want to ask you is, um, you know, of course, you know, we spoke about the dictionary definition of faith and, 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 you know, and what we're talking about, we are sort of like nudging at the at the strings of what this concept is. But can there be a definition of faith? Because, you know, when I talk to my peers, and I know a lot of like millennials and Gen Z, um, you know, they're, they're moving away from institutionalized religion, because it, it mm-hmm. doesn't Number one, it doesn't like move with the times. It doesn't address the problems that we that exist in society today, or so so people feel. So a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of people are moving away from institutionalized religion. At the same time, however, they will say that I believe in in a higher power. You know, yeah. so automatically, you know, there no nobody. I don't I don't think anybody completely rejects that there are mechanics out there that are well beyond our understanding of the world. So when when a lot of people don't want to turn to the church or don't want to turn to the mosque or or, or the religion of mm-hmm. their choice, then mm-hmm. how do we talk about this concept that 
that everyone seems to be tugging at. Yeah, and it's 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 really interesting because you do have people out there who are who are looking and they look to the only place that they know how. It's it's where they grew up. It's the the you know family. It's the community that they grew up in, and so this is where they look and they stay and they think that this is the only place that will offer answers, and so they stay there and and they're connected there, even if they kind of don't feel right about it. They they stick around and that's fine. And then you've got people that that leave and and say no as soon as i can i'm out of here and um you know kind of as soon as i'm out from my parents house or something then i'm not going to church anymore because it hasn't done anything for me or mm. or um whatever's going on there and there's sort of this like rejection of it there's this no i'm done now i've seen that i've been a part of that thing but i don't want it anymore because it it hasn't satisfied me it hasn't given me what it promised and then there's people who are saying, no, you know what? I actually just don't buy into You could talk about faith all you want, but um, I'm all about the evidence. So show me evidence and then I'll, sure, I'll do whatever you want to do. But as it is, I'm going to be over here trying to be a really good human for my other humans over here, mm-hmm. right? And so there's these, and there's probably even more categories as I open those up. But as I can think about it, there's there's all these different ways to see this and talk about this and and to categorize it all and to say like well do you have faith or don't you have faith because either way you're going to be better off or one way or another or if you have faith why aren't you a part of then an institution that that um proclaims that same uh, thinking and and is going to encourage you in that and bring you into a community of that same faith and it just doesn't all makes sense when it's become this really fluid kind of movable thing and that's really what's so interesting to me about the time that we live in right now is everything's changing the whole conversation's changing Mm. and so what is faith um i mean we could come right back to what you talked about at the beginning of trust i i i actually love again the 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 biblical definition it's the one that i know that i've been familiar with that it's in it's really found in hebrews and it says faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see i i love that because within the definition of this thing that is supposed to be completely like rock solid like oh if you have faith then you're rock solid then you can be sure of things but what are you sure of you're sure of something that you hope for you're certain of something that you don't see. Like mm-hmm. within the definition, there's this doubt mixed in. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's this, it's it's like there's it's like this yin-yang thing. There's you can't have faith without doubt and questioning as well. Otherwise, it's certainty. If yeah. if you know what it is, then it's certainty. So faith in in essence is this abstract mystery to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that to some people is what is so attractive about it. To others is what's so frustrating about it. And to others is completely why they reject it. Mm. Yeah, I love how you say that. In Hinduism, they, um, for, you know, from my knowledge of Hinduism, it's like faith is accepting whatever comes into your basket, knowing that it is coming to you, either to teach mm. you a lesson, whether that's a successful one or something you're going to learn from failure. And yeah. it's it's rolling with the punches, knowing that they're coming to you to teach you something. And whether you take it in your stride and learn to grow with it or not, that you know that's your yeah. free will. Yeah, and and I think that's where now we look at 
um, you know, Generation Z right now. So really, 23 and under. Um, and there's, a, there's, I would, I would extend that in this conversation. It really kind of extends up to to 30 year olds and, and you know, sort of that younger millennial crowd, the the second half of millennials. Um, mm. At this, the, how how everything has changed in this conversation, and and looking at that as well. Um, yeah, sure. I trust how things are going to come. I just because things are going to come. That's the way it is. Like, is, what yeah. other option do I have? And what I'm seeing though in this next generation is this, um, this desire to not just accept that this is the way it is. There's this questioning of the way it is. There's this standing up against the way it is or the way it's always been. And this is what's so beautiful about the next generation is, mm-hmm. is this willingness to say it doesn't have to be this way, actually, which I think ultimately was the message of Jesus. He showed up and said, it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to fight. You don't have to, you know, hate. You don't have to live this. There doesn't have to be poverty. Mm-hmm. There can be equality. There can be love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this next generation is living in this way that says it doesn't have to be this way. And it's that is speaking to institutionalized religion in which leadership has has really taken over and taken control and and really hasn't changed in the last two thousand years. But this sort of that's what they're standing up against, saying the way it's being isn't the way it always has to be. We can do something about this. So again, call it that, call it climate change, call it whatever it is. It seems like there's a generation standing up and saying, let's do something. And that to me is faith taking action like that's that's where it's like you see something in the future and you have you have enough faith to see that something that could be different that you're actually going to take steps to towards that and, and that's a that's so attractive to me yeah i read somewhere that um you don't derive hope from the intellect you know because if if i looked at climate change intellectually then i wouldn't be able to derive hope from it but you know, people are deriving it from actions. I love how you said that. And I'm so glad you brought this up because when I was, um, what inspired me to do this episode and which is why I came to you and I told you that it was this Turkish author. I I, I watched one of her YouTube talks. Her name is Alif Shafak and her talk inspired me to do this episode. And it was something she mentioned about how there's a vacuum in the leftist progressive circles and that vacuum is a faith. Um, you know, and in politics, we noticed that one of the deeply uniting factors on the, on the conservative side is that their common denominator denominator is that of religion. Religion really brings people, conservatives together across the world. Um, but on the, on the progressive side, on the left side, we have, you know, we, we assert this and we have an assertion of individual identity and I, there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but. I, f- I find that sometimes it can be a bit harder to unite progressives, no matter that, you know, we're all aiming for equality across racial, religious, sexual mm-hmm. lines. Um, but that common denominator is missing. And, you know, I think it is hard to talk about faith and God and, you know, religion in these circles. So yeah. what, what, do you, what do you think? What, what are your thoughts? Well, it, that? Yeah. I love she, it. I, lo- I love I wanna, the context. And I want to put this line out there. She and I, you know, it, it blew me away what she said. She said, faith is too important to be left to the ultra religious. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, and, and this is um, 
one of the big kind of tipping points for me was just actually digging into church history and and this um uh, like I, I went to you know went to school to get my master's in theological studies just to really dive into all the questions that I had and as mm-hmm. I did um it really gave me uh, some it, it answered some questions and and my main questions were like how did it get to be this way like how did this thing that seems so beautiful and and wholesome and natural um turn into this massive worldwide thing that is in some ways doing something still really beautiful but in other ways like a, a, a force to be reckoned with like what is that where where the that's what the church is and or that's what faith is or that's what this this name of god is mm-hmm. and whatever that is that that it's being held it's being wielded as a as a weapon in in many ways and and again, as I look back, uh, like it comes back to really 300-ish AD when Constantine took charge and um, and used the Christian faith, essentially said, hey, I'm a Christian, so that he could get the Christian votes. This is very simplifying the story, and forgive me those history buffs who are diving in now, but um, essentially took that and said, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm following Jesus, so that he could get that uh, that sort of conservative vote of confidence behind him and then he took that power and said well god is on my side but in reality he actually said that to a lot of different um religious families at the time and 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 followings and uh and then from there that sort of sparked this idea of wow you can use this as an influential piece of your identity in leadership and so then you just watch through the decades and through the the centuries. You can watch people and and who took charge and who took that on their mantle as a positional um, or a piece of authoritative uh, kind of identity. That look, this is who I am, and therefore I can secure your votes. Now, look at the current political state, and you can see it happening. It's happened again, and it happens all the time. It's it's been happening for years and years and years, where somebody will say. No, 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 actually, this is, I believe what you believe, so now you should vote for me. Mm. And belief and faith then become this, this thing that it was never meant to be, where it becomes this, um, this kind of totem, this, this tool to, to use uh, to get the popular vote. Looking at things, you know, whereas what you said, like, it's also a very tribalistic way of looking mm-hmm. at things. And you know, whereas what you said earlier, like, I think belief and faith is a very individual journey. And, you know, sure, establishment structures or institution can guide you, but it's not when it becomes a form of power and domination and one central figure, that's when this individual identity can also, what you know, your if your identity is pegged mm-hmm. on this one thing, and if that, you know, if something happens within that institution, um, then it, then it, then your whole identity becomes vulnerable and fragile. Yeah, I mean, a, a friend of mine says, you know, never. Some of the greatest advice you could ever hear is never confuse God and the church. And I think that's where the 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 conversation then actually starts to become a little bit healthier. Is is because you're not just associating and assuming that somebody is going to act or going to live a certain way because they go to the same, you know, denomination of, of church or, or religion um, that you are a part of just because they claim that they put that on their, you know, social security form doesn't mean that they're going to abide by those morals or they're going to live a certain way or progress the conversation forward, but their view on, on who God is, what God is, 
how God acts, how does God interact with the world um, and humanity and, and pull us forward as a community, that then gets into a much more interesting conversation. And that is actually where you will see you know, groups of people within the same community actually have differing views and and um, live differently based on that that view. And so, when it comes to the political conversation, the political left, and, and you know, faith is too important to be left to the ultra religious. That's where I think I see this all come in. Is is I would I would agree be, when it's used as as a nominal kind of um, force. This is who I am because this is what I believe. What and and I think that that's uh, when it when you just attach it, you just say no, like I am a I I am um, I'm a Catholic, therefore you can trust me. And it's at it right. It's just it's just name only. And um, I think when it is that, then that's where again that's where we've seen it get into trouble um, and cause trouble. But when it is at its heart something that is spurred on by this individual passion this individual calling. I need to go and see what's fascinating. I need to go and help those people. I need to be a part of this because I am a part of this. When that's what's leading us, that's when we're at our best. And I think that's when we are um, working towards a better future that we hope for, which ultimately is faith. Is that, does that all yeah. make sense? Like, of I mean, course. we're... What are the benefits though, I think of like institutionalized institutionalized religion and like you said at the beginning you know your wife was with the church in her community like since she was in grade two mm -hmm. you were with it for a long time so you had this yeah. community established community for you you know yeah. and i've always wondered this like as someone who is on her own individual spiritual journey and similarly, everyone around me is on their own individual, looking inwards on their own. How do we come together and form a community based off one goal, which is to, you know, we all want to act out of love. We all want everyone to be peaceful. Yeah. You know, we all realize that we're all one consciousness, like existing in limited forms. But how do we come together when our rituals, let's say, are different or the way I... Yeah approach faith or God is absolutely different from my neighbor, you know, but then how do we come together? Yeah. And this is, man, this is just, this makes me so, this fills me with joy to think about the potential that's here because um, I think that's, those are the tables that Jesus sat around was these people who come from such wildly different backgrounds and he invited them all to sit together. Like this was, this is the picture. This is the story is those are the places that we're supposed to find ourselves is around those tables with people who are so different from us. And mm -hmm. we ha we are given the task of figuring out how do we thrive together? Not just survive. How do we not just get by, mm -hmm. but how do we actually figure out a way to thrive? And it's, Again, it's different now, and especially in Toronto, like we're in this this incredibly diverse community um, situation, like as a city that invites us into experience that every single day. And I think a lot of people are running from those opportunities instead of running towards them. But as I say, I'd say this next generation is saying, are you kidding me? Like, stop running from this, that we have to build this table we have to find opportunities to work together 
because that's the world that we're a part of now. And they're not going to work for an organization or they're not going to go to an institution, a, a church that doesn't look like the diverse world that they see outside. And so I might be getting a little off track here, but what I think I'm getting at is this effort that we need to make to listen and to engage in and to see, okay, if we're going to build a community, which is really what we're all longing for ever in life, I need to figure out self and I need to figure out those next to me. How do I help myself and how do I help others? Um, and as we're, it's, it's the helping others piece that, that when you really get down to it, um, those rituals and those practices, they're, they, they really don't matter when mm. we're just talking about how do we thrive together in this community? How do we survive? How do we make sure that this world doesn't burn up? Okay, you know what? All of a sudden now, what you do on a Sunday doesn't matter. Mm. Um, right? So it, it becomes this seeing each other in our most human self. Mm. And, and again, this is where faith is is held in a fine balance because faith when it's associated to any given specific religion well then it becomes a barrier but faith in our story faith in this something bigger going on here that we're all a part of we all get to listen to and see and experience the beauty that's around the faith that there is there is something bigger here Mm. that goes beyond those barriers and those walls and those those buildings and those rituals and um it may even invite you to want to explore what those are about and see that that again yeah we're closer than we ever thought that we were mm. and so i i don't I, on a very practical level it looks like hanging out with people that's all that i can say <laughs> it looks like sitting around the table with your neighbors um and actually doing that because we talk about that and and I for one am guilty of talking about that for a long time saying you should be doing this and not doing it on my own but that's ultimately what it looks like is if you're actually going to um, create a safe place a community of interfaith um, mm. then it looks like actually just having people over to dinner mm. <laughs> like that's or yeah. even better going out and, and or figuring out how you can serve and support each other in your community and and giving of your gifts to help th to help them in some way this is where again faith really gets put into action and i think it's recognizing that you know everyone has like a seed to offer one of my friends always says that we all have seeds and those seeds are gifts and it's about recognizing what gift you have and then sort of watering that seed and that potential and everyone has a gift to offer and if we all rec recognize that and come to the table then we know that yeah. everyone has something to give but when you were talking it reminded me of you know when when i've sat down and tried to like figure out what what faith is i do think it is an extremely surreal place where you have to recognize that we're we're humans, we're flawed humans, and also and also shed some of it away because you're you're going into exploring an unknown almost, and that requires mm -hmm. trust, but also recognize yeah. that it is you with all your beauty and flaws that will walk you into that unexplored space. Mm. Um what I want to ask you next is more it's more an action-oriented 
question. And, and since you do work with so many young people and, and you, and you work with, you know, folks to build their confidence and, you know, get mm -hmm. them geared for life. What I want to ask you is that I've always felt that the world has evolved so fast when it comes to technology. We're clearly damningly smart people. We are so smart, but at the same time, I feel that our emotional selves haven't kept a pace with the world that we've created around us. Yeah. Um, I feel that we still suffer from the fight or flight syndrome, for example, you know, we're still so, um, driven by our crass emotions. So, so how do we look inwards and how do we begin to explore ourselves and start that inner journey so that we can, we can convert those changes that happen inside and, and change what's happening in our physical world? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. And, and so, um, yeah, obviously so relevant and, and, uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of sitting here. I, I really want to get this one right because I, I feel like this is um, kind of this is this is important. And yet, I also know that um, yeah, that's not on me. To, there's no right thing for me to say here. I'm only going to add to the conversation. And 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 from what I'm experiencing, from what what I'm learning, is uh, you you alluded to it a bit earlier. Is this this there's a bit of a fear of looking inward that if you if you really look inward if you if you really spend a lot of time looking inward then you become self-focused instead of other focused or or outward focused and and um and that's not actually helpful for anybody because then you just become mm -hmm. self-concerned and and it's it's that idea of that you know the top of maslow's hierarchy of needs is self-actualization mm -hmm. and, and when you get there well then what and and so there's this effort and and i believe that there are tools in which can, you can really start to help and look inward and i'll get there in just a second but first i want to i want to just clarify and say that um what i'm learning is is that it's not about you know god is out there and i'm telling you to look inside as if that's apart from one another uh, what what i'm learning and and what i what i believe is actually in the story and, and really whatever creation story you're going to believe in, and and whatever um just about whatever uh, you know faith story there is out there that it begins with this this God seeing value and and putting value into humanity and and seeing enough value that that uh, at least in the Christian story is this that, that there was a spark there was this I'm gonna create you I'm gonna make you out of the dust and form you into something for a purpose and so what I do, a lot of the time is help people see what they're made for. You know, what was that thing that was put in you at the beginning? And I believe that as you do look in, that you are actually discovering the deepest sense of God that you could ever see. Because when you look at, when you discover what there is deep within you, that's the, the true essence of who you are and what you bring to this world. And outside of that, anything you're just kind of going to look for it. And so, Again, to look in is actually the greatest form of worship that I think that we can do because you're saying, I believe that there is more to me than just what I do. There's something about the why, there's something about who I, there's something in my core mm -hmm. that is worth discovering. And I have the faith, I have the belief that as I discover this, I will bring out my very best to the world and through that, create a different future. And that 
requires this crazy amount of faith that the work that you're going to do now will actually impact future generations and could change this whole thing for the better. So how do you do that? It really starts from being okay with it and saying, I'm going to do this work. For me, that's looked like uh, like hiring coaches. Um, this is where like coaching and counseling has become such a useful tool to have somebody listen and dig deeper and ask the good questions to actually go deeper than just the surface answers that you're willing to look at yourself. The people who are going to ask the hard questions. It's looked like not only just a one-on-one -on -one coach, but actually diving into then you know, again, paid communities, if it comes to that, masterminds, who are these people that are in like journeys that you are that are asking these same questions that will help you go through this movement of self-discovery to see what value you really have and what you can really bring to this world that was instilled in you from the very beginning. Um, and as we do this work, then it turns around to become, wow, I'm at the healthiest place I can be to now help those next to me. And it's this, this cyclical thing that it doesn't stop with, it, with this self-discovery, but that's actually the start of how you're now going to help others and bring your very best gift to the table. Alex, that was beautiful, thank you. Um, on that <laughs> note, I'm, gonna, I'm going to leave it be because you know, you've left us at a point where we, we, we know that we're a part of something bigger and in order to affect change, we have to we have to look within. And um, while you were talking, I was honestly moved. So thank you for that. Um, and I uh -huh. thank you Great. for 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 taking the time out and and joining me on on the nth dimension. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, I thank you. And and if I can just speak to that a little bit, and you know, we're talking about bringing your gift to the table and and doing what you can. And and Tria, this is exactly what you're doing here. And so, I, I thank you for being an example. And I hope that your listeners uh, listen to this and and know how how much work this is and how much effort this is. And this is coming from a place of pure curiosity and and desire to help others. And that's why you're doing this. And I'm I'm overjoyed to be a part of this journey with you and, and thankful for what you're bringing here. So thanks for bringing what you have to the table. Thank you so much, Alex. Life, I think, is a complex combination of free will, luck, and being present at the right place at the right time. A lot of what happens in life is, frankly, out of our control. In this complexity, having the courage to live fully with belief in yourself, who you are and where you come from, that what is happening to you is to teach you an experience, to help you become a better, wiser human, I think that knowledge is faith. This episode was an exploration of, of that word. And I think faith is a constant reminder that we're just minuscule microbes in this vast expanding universe. On that note, as we float in space, I thank you for lending me your mind space and ears. Alex too has a podcast made for this. Check him out on Apple Podcasts. And if you like this episode, please do follow me on Twitter at underscore the nth dimension and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because the more you review, the more people find out about what we're doing. Total Wine & More is a wonderland to explore. Thousands of wines and spirits, unexpected pairings and great gifts, low prices and helpful guides. Make the holidays magical at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly, be 21.